Welcome back. It's time for customers who click. Before we dive in today, if you've listened to the podcast before and enjoy it, please do leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps the podcast get in front of loads more listeners, so it'd be really appreciated. This week, I spent some time exploring customer research with Simon Clark, the head of CRO at Evolve Search. Now, I'm sure you're aware, possibly because we go on and on about it on the podcast, but customer research and its understanding what your customers wants and needs are is crucial, not just for conversion rate optimization, but just general optimization and improvement of a business. It helps you produce better messaging, identify the hierarchy of design and messaging you want to use on your website, but also where you might have assets on the website that are actually putting off potential customers. But let's get Simon on now so we can get stuck in. Hi, Simon. Thanks for joining me today. Um, do you want to just quickly introduce yourself, uh, give us a bit of your background and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for you know having me on the on the podcast. Um, so, uh, yeah, my, I mean, my background, um, gosh, where do I start? So I kind of grew up wanting to do, you know, graphic design. I think my brother used to do that, you know, so I kind of probably looked up to him, you know, an older brother looked up to him. Um, I eventually did um, a transportation design degree, believe it or not, for four years, which obviously I came out of that thinking, you know, there's probably about one one job for about a million people. So um actually then got into um, development. So I did that for 10 years, um, kind of front and back end uh, PHP. Um, and started to really get interested in um, the digital marketing side of things, the analytics, you know, what, what are people doing on the website rather than actually building the website, you know, kind of a, a bit of a, a mismatch of that. Um, and then, yeah, just basically got into Crow, um, was offered um, a job um, in optimization and, and analytics, kind of a bit of a half and half. Um, and yeah, just kind of fell in, you know, fell in love with it. Really, just had to to work from uh, from nothing um, in essence. Um, but the, the, I mean, the analytics side of things, you know, that's the, the numbers, the data. I kind of loved that already, so I think that kind of helped that transition. Um, so yeah, so kind of design, development, and then optimization, which kind of puts me in you know good stead, really, because I've I, I kind of feel I've got a good design eye. Um, I've also got, you know, good HTML, CSS, JavaScript knowledge as well, which helps, um, you know, when we come to build tests and things like that, feasibility checks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yes. Cool. So cool. hopefully that, uh, that gives you a sense of, of, of me. Yeah, sounds good. Um, so uh, to get into things then, um, what, what do you think is essential to a good CRO program? Yeah, good, a, a good CRO program. So obviously I work for, um, sorry, I didn't even, you know, get into what I'm doing now. So I'm... Um, I'm head of Crow at uh, an agency called Evolve Search. Um, so we primarily do uh, SEO, um, tech and content. We also do digital PR um, and PPC and Crow as well. Um, so obviously we work with um, a lot of clients um, in different verticals, um, lead, gen, and e-commerce, so a nice mix as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of a good Crow program, um, you know, for me, these are, I've kind of got three, you know, pillars, if you want to call them uh, pillars and, you know, three things that I try and stick by. Um, so simplicity, communication and time. Um, so really simplicity is is just having that almost overarching plan of, of, of what we want to help the client with. Um, so obviously that starts with, 
you know the the goals um, of the clients or the KPIs, um, the plan um, that we want to uh, you know run with for that client, um, the tools. So not every client will require you know a full suite of tools. That might just require one or two, or it might require four or five. Um, uh, and then the measurement as well. So you know there's no point in um, you know doing a crow program for twelve months. And not having anything to measure that by and benchmark it against. Um, so, so for me, that's kind of simplicity communication. Again, I'm I'm, I'm really hot on communication because, um, uh, probably just through experience, you know, I've had it. I've had times where you know the communication wasn't there. A because you might be busy, or B because you know you the, the communication lines just aren't there, and it just presents all all, all sorts of problems. Um, and really, communication covers everything. So, you know, back to that, the, the plan, you know, what are we going to do? Um, progress. So, you know, catch-ups, you know, make sure that the, the, the client are aware of what's going on. So it's not just a, you know, it doesn't just become a, a bit of an us and them um, situation. Um, and, you know, that covers A-B tests, usability testing, data analysis, everything, essentially. Um and also kind of, you know, listen to your, to your clients. Um, it sounds incredibly obvious, but I kind of feel that that's missed sometimes. Um, you know, you've, you've got to ask the questions. You've got to dig deeper um, because it's not all about the quality. Sometimes it's not all about the quality, uh, sorry, the quantity of, of, of leads or inquiries, um, thinking about a lead gen client. You know, sometimes it's that they're getting enough inquiries and it's actually about the quality of those inquiries because they've only got the set, you know, a set amount of people who can deal with those inquiries. Um, and so that's communication and then finally time. So, you know, I think this is, this is really hotly linked to setting expectations um, and also just letting them know that, you know, research takes time um, you know, you, you can A-B test quite quickly, you know, but we know that, but actual conversion, conversion research um, takes time. So, so really it's about setting the expectations to either the client or whether you're in-house, you know, to, to you know, upper management that, you know, these things are going to take time. Um, and those for me, if you, if you get, you know, at least two of those, if you get all three, you know, which is what I try and set out then, you know, that should lead to, uh, you know, a strong, uh, a strong program. Yeah. I like what you mentioned about um, listening to your clients and when it comes to things like um, quantity and quality, because I think, and you see it all across marketing, really, it's definitely not just a, a CRO thing. Um, a lot of agencies will say, well, you know, we're driving the traffic, that's our job, right? It's not our job to convert them, to, to sell to them. So if we're generating you a thousand leads a month and and you're only able to convert 10 of them the the fault must be on your side it's almost like a you know we're doing our jobs because we've got people to to submit a lead form right therefore the problem must be on the other end and there's never any really like well what is the quality of these people who are these people do they do they actually understand um what they're signing up for and I, i've seen it in house loads of times um, I've, I've worked. I've worked with lead gen agencies, um, either you know, for for myself, my consultancy, 
uh, or for businesses I've been in. And the amount of times that you have to push back and say, you know, it, it's clear these people had no idea what they were signing up to on, or they've, they've got no idea what to expect on the, on the call. Um, the quality needs to be better. And the majority of the time, those agencies have then disappeared. Yeah. Right. They've, they've not been able to solve that problem. They've just kind of said, oh, it's, it's not going to work. We'll just, we'll leave it here. So I definitely think it's, uh, yeah. So in, in terms of CRO, it's, it's it, what I keep talking about is it's not just about getting that purchase. It's about getting the purchase for the right reasons with a, a well-informed customer. And, and my whole thing now is uh, taking customers from zero to two purchases because the, there's that CRO piece, which is the first purchase, but then there's the customer experience piece, which gets you that second purchase and that mm-hmm. retention, which is really important. Absolutely. Um, and it'd be nice to see more agencies kind of having that sort of mindset of our job doesn't end with the, with the PPC click or the, or the, the Facebook yeah. click. Um, but you mentioned, uh, so you mentioned conversion re- uh, research as well. So, um, and that, that obviously takes a long time. So how do you, how do you kick off a project like that? What are some of the key, uh, key parts of a, like a conversion research or customer research project? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess, um, I guess first things first, going back to that, um, you know, what is essential to a, to a, a good crow program, you know, for, for me, uh, all research should be somehow linked back to goals. You know, we, I think we can get, um, you know, distracted sometimes, you know, we can think, you know, we need to look at this or we need to, you know, almost like a checklist, you know, we need to do X, Y, and Z because, you know, that's what, what I Googled and, and, and that's what Google told me. So I think everything has to be linked back to those goals because if you're, you know, imagine you're, you're looking to a client who just wants um, the quantity over someone who wants the quality for me, the, the two research um, projects are going to be completely different. You know, you're going to do two completely different, um, you'll have two completely different plans for that project. Um, what, I guess, um, you know, are the questions um, that we want to ask? Um, so again, that links back to, you know, the plan and the goals that we want. And that will then kind of determine, you know, the tools and the techniques that we use um, to, to get that information. Um, and again, this, I guess this doesn't necessarily link back into listening to the clients, but it's almost about kind of doing almost like a a little mini kind of internal project of, of researching the the client that you're working on, or if you're in-house almost yourself, because again, I think we, we all get wrapped up, you know, we're in the daily grind, you know, we're just, we're just cracking on with things. And we actually don't kind of take that that kind of bird's eye view. You know, things get added to the site, they get taken off the site all the time. Um, you know, if you're in quite a, a fast-paced um, company. And I think sometimes, you know, people just forget about how much is on the site or how these things connect. So I think mapping out, um, you know, all the touch points on a website, but also off-site again which i think is something that is um and i'm sure you know you'll you'll have um, some things to say on this but you know as soon as you get off-site or there's you know a middle um connection between you know somebody inquiring 
once that's gone, you know, it's offsite. But what actually happens at that point, it doesn't just go off into, into space. You know, there's, there's something else that happens there. Well, I think, so just to jump in there, and this is something I'm sure everyone has experienced, it's that, yeah, that on-site to off-site experience, right? So you fill in a lead gen form, uh, you get phoned up by the company, and way too often that person doesn't actually know what you've, you've really signed up for. They just know that your your details have been sent over, um, and it even gets worse. I've I, I've had it recently uh, through some accidental B two B stuff. Basically, um, I, I was looking for some information about credit card charges, like how much Mastercard charges compared to American Express, um, and in doing so, accidentally submitted my details. You know, I, I was filling out a quiz thing, um, and it said, "Well, we'll we'll share the information with you afterwards." What they didn't explain was that sharing would be, we're going to share your details with five different companies who are then going to call you to discuss it, which I didn't really want. Um, but the, the point I wanted to make there was uh, some of these companies took about a month to even phone me. Wow. Right. And at that point, I've forgotten what this is. You know, they, they don't introduce themselves properly. And I think that also happens with a lot of B2C kind of lead gen as well. They're just, they're running through a phone list and, not not really appreciating how long it's been since you might have actually dropped this uh, dropped your inquiry in, and they kick off that conversation as if you should know exactly what's going on. You know, almost exactly. as if they've called you the moment you submitted that lead that lead form, and they forget the, they leave out the context. Um, yeah, often they don't know what you're talking about, or or occasionally you'll get passed to someone else. You know that's that's everyone's nightmare, isn't it? You spend time on hold. You go through the automated numbers. You speak to someone who then says, "Oh, sorry, I, I can't fix this for you. It's got to be this team." Pass you on to that team, and that person goes, "Hi, how can I help you?" Yeah, and the conversation starts again. So that's that's a big frustration, um, and that will definitely be causing conversion issues. And you know, you as the agency can be looking at it, saying, "Well, we did our job. We got you those conversions. It's not our fault. You can't sell to them." Um, but it's it's better when it's backed up by we went through this process ourselves. This is why we think you're not getting the conversion because you're taking two weeks to call people, and you know so it's it's, it's good to add, add that explanation in for the for the clients in as well. So what why you think that you're doing your job well, but there's there's another problem afterwards which is causing that drop off and give, even giving some sort of insight as to how you think it can be fixed. Yeah, that's it, and and inevitably. Internal teams sometimes don't talk to each other, you know, which is just the nature of of business. Um, and you know that as well. I think there's there's you know we're getting into a situation where there's there's becoming even more ways to inquire. So um, you know we've got live chat, we've got you know the re- the usual you know web form, telephone number, email, but we're now starting to get. WhatsApp, you know, I'm seeing that a lot, a lot more. You know, who takes that on board? You know, obviously, it's, it'll be. How's it tracked? How's it tracked? Exactly. How's it tracked? So, WhatsApp can be great. I, I think it it would be great for the customer, but yeah, how do, how do you track it? Got to make sure you can do that. Exactly. And then, you know, even things like, um, you know, I was I was looking at. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of. It, I think it's called uh, Video Ask or Ask Video um, by a company called Typeform which is essentially almost live chat through, you know, the medium of um, video, which I think 
it's really interesting, you know, but but will we get to a point where, you know, a live chat is, is basically just, you know, a kind of one-to-one video? Um, well, I, yeah, I was speaking to, to one client earlier. Um, we, we know uh, both through literally the numbers and the stats, but also anecdotally through customer interviews, people who speak to a salesperson on the phone are so much more likely to convert than somebody who doesn't. Because not only do the salespeople know their stuff and they can explain these these different components and things and, and all that, but they the level of trust they give, right? So they will even say, you don't need to upgrade to this thing because this one's this one's gonna do the job for you. So they yeah. build that trust. And what we were talking about is can we level that up by going to video instead of phone call? Because when you think about it, uh, there's no changing resource, right? I can either do one phone call at a time or one video call at a time. But that video call adds that extra bit of experience and, and like richness to the experience, mm-hmm. um, which, which we're hoping will then kind of improve conversion rates and things. So, Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it'd be a good one to, you know, um, I, I'd love to test, test that out on a client. Um, you know, I'm kind of pushing for that. Um, and obviously, you know, with, with the pandemic, with us, you know, I would say getting a lot more used to, um, to to speaking over over video, you know, even you know, looking at the potentially the generations and, and and age groups who who might not have used it before, I think we can definitely get to that point. Um, so, yeah. So I mean, sorry, kind of going back to you, you know, your original uh, question um, about you know kicking off that that customer research project. So I think always kind of link that back to your goals. Always have that in mind. Um, you know basically what questions do we want to ask that will determine the tools that we're going to use. Um, and then also try and do like, a, you know, I always try and do a bit of a, a kind of mini audit of, of all the touch points on the site because, um, you know, even myself, I worked on a client for, you know, a few months and I'm, I'm tracking, you know, one goal, which is someone fills in a form, they get to this page and then they have to fill out this, this, you know, much larger form. Now I was, tracking that with a you know a kind of dashboard that said you know okay people who fill this this form and get to this page they're just going to fill that next form in whereas actually that they don't they they get a call um you know going back to what you're saying from a from a salesperson they then talk to the salesperson and then they actually get sent back to that that second the start of that second step now i didn't realize that was the journey it was only until you know, we did a bit of an internal kind of uh, order of, of exactly um, exactly how that process works. But at the start, you know, you, you talk to the client and they say, well, yeah, we just want, you know, we just want people to fill that form. And they, they didn't mention that, you know, that, that, that secondary form. So um, it's really important, really, really important. And, I'm, I'm, you know, I know you, you're really hot on that as well. So um just, just take the time to really don't just rush in. I guess as well, you know, don't just rush in. Going back to you know the time thing, um, you know, you've got to really, you've got to really figure out what are the touch points. How do how can someone get in touch? What journey are they going on, um, on site and off site? Um, you, you know, that's just gonna that'll just make your your research project you know a lot richer um, and, and a lot more focused as well. Hmm. And I, I want to go into kind of quant and core research a bit. Um, so it'd be good to get an idea of kind of how, how you use them, um, what, 
how, how they're obviously a bit how they're different. Um, what sort of information you get um, and strengths and weaknesses are both. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, starting with <coughs> with you know quantitative research, um, I think starting with um, <laughs> going back to the goals. Uh, you know, I sound like a broken record, but um, basically ensuring that that the right goals are tracked. So we've been in um, you know analytics accounts where you know they're tracking, God, you know the the the, the, ma- the most minute. Um, you know things on the website you know as a goal you know it's like come on we need to you know we need to we've only got 20 of these goals you know if you're on you know the free ga so we need to you know maximize what we get out of them so you know ensure that the right um goals are tracked so that generally could involve you know some kind of um analytics audit or review of um your, your, your kind of goals and, and your event tracking which we'll get onto um and you know making sure that that the the, the data that you collect um you know matches your, your your kpis essentially um big one for me you know i'm 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 really hot on this is um tracking as much as possible as well um in terms of um key elements on different pages um so you know i, I tend to, to to use the term trackboard um you know, which is basically just, you know, event tracking dashboards. Um, and I tend to do those um, for uh, a kind of overview of, of overall performance, overall site performance, whether that's goals on your lead gen um, cl- client uh, or business or, you know, transactions add to basket, thing like, things like that on your e-com clients. Um, so, yeah, I mean, trackboards for me are great. Um, because they give you that kind of continuous view of of, of what's happen, happening to the website. Um, from an overall performance point of view, that's, as I say, you know, goals and, uh, and transactions. Uh, and from an individual page template point of view, that's what exactly is um, is really hitting the mark. You know, what is getting used and what is essential for, you know, the things that are getting used, the things that are popular are clearly key to the majority of users um, in their journey, I think also seeing what people aren't using. So what what does the what does the company think is really important, but actually people aren't using? But then, and I think this is where the kind of quant qual difference comes in. Why aren't people using them? Um, is it because they're not seeing them, or is it because uh, they're seeing them but just don't understand it? It's not like there's a message there that doesn't resonate with them. And so they're not, they're just choosing not to interact with it. Yeah, that's it. And, you know, I've all, you know the amount of times I've seen, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll say to, you know, the client, well, you know, we've added this feature, you know, it's, it's halfway down the page and, you know, this, this is going to be amazing. It's going to, you know, give us X uplift. You know, if, if nobody sees that, if nobody understands that, um, and uses that, then you know that was wasted. Um, you know, wasted time really. Yeah. So trackboards essentially give you that view of almost. I try and explain it as almost you know think of a heat map. So you know a heat map is basically where um, someone has clicked on a on on you know the page. Um, trackboards are kind of that, but with a lot more um, 
you know, touch points, uh, but specifically ones that you actually want to um, you want to track on a on a continuous basis, you know, month on month. Yeah. Well, I think I was going to say, obviously, one of the downsides of quant research is that it does that doesn't actually tell you why things things are happening, right? So, um, I spoke to one business recently, and um, their heat maps show that very very few people scroll below the fold at all, which isn't very far. So that's almost no scrolling. And initially the response to that wasn't, well, the response to that was uh, people don't scroll, so we need to make sure that we're getting more above the fold. We get all the key info above the fold. Um, and my response to it was no, we need to find out why people aren't scrolling and, and make sure that there's enough above the fold to uh, you know, get their, grab their attention to hook them in. And, and make them scroll and make them want to scroll. Um, uh, another solution I presented was, let, let's give them something to click to make them scroll. So let's uh, ask them a question or something and say, well, you know, what, what is it you're looking for help with today? A, B, C. And they click A and it just drops them down the page and says, right, here's here's the solution to A. That sort of thing. And, getting, and, and then using that to kind of indicate to people that, you know, there is information down down the screen. But yeah, the the issue isn't that people don't want to scroll. The people the issue is that the page is not encouraging people to scroll. Yeah. Um, but you don't really get that from the quant research. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, you know, the, 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 for me, there could be probably a, a question asked about absolutely any kind of interaction with the website. You know, why did you click? Why didn't you you click the carousel? Why did you click the carousel? You know, why did you, why did you do search or, or, you know, why didn't you do search? Um, you know, you could quite easily, you know, you know, do hundreds of, uh, of, of user, uh, testing sessions, um, you know, to find out all of these different things. Do you do uh, user, user testing? Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, I'll, I'll go under the, you know, the, the qualitative research. I mean, as I say, the, the trackboards for me are just a great way of, of, of of having that data that you know it's it, it's not every single thing on the page it's it's the specific things that we we want to track on on each um, of the key page templates um but as you say you know that that gets you the what and the where but not the why so in terms of quantitative um so i've got a few things that that i really love doing um so um i think i've said this on linkedin before but you know i love a survey um I generally tend to, to try and do at least, um, you know, one survey per month, um, if not two, depending on, you know, traffic levels um, with our clients. Is that like a, like a hot jar pop-up survey sort of thing? Yes. O- on-site survey, yeah. Yeah, on-site survey, maybe one or two questions um, maximum. Um, and generally, if you're asking the right questions, you will get, um, you know, a really good response. Um, I don't think I've, I've had too many that, that haven't got good responses. Any examples you can share? Um, yeah, so I guess what, what, I, what I tend to do is um, is ask um, things like, you know, what, what is the, the most important feature that you require today? What is, what is missing on the page? You know, I know these are, these are, you know, pretty standard things. What is stopping you? Um, I mean, what is stopping you is just an absolute goldmine um, because... I think it gets people thinking. 
and they think that, and there is always at least one thing that that is stopping them um which is always great um but what i what i tend to do is is um and i, I kind of learned this you know in in my my old role from um from an ex colleague is is to, is to ask questions that try and then segment the different user types so i don't know say for example um you know we've got um personal uh, and you know business users um generally they will have very different views on what is important to them um so you know whether it's you know the cost um whether you know there's insurance included i'm just thinking of you know cars as an example and then what you can do is then segment the what is stopping them or what is important by those two different um segments and you start to see huge differences um yeah well you know some differences in 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 what each of those segments are doing and and i'm sure that could be applied to to any website uh, ecom or, or lead gen um and then obviously what what you then do is i, I think you met, you touched on it before in terms of you then combine that with the quantitative so um a good example was um we asked you know what is what is the most important feature that you require on this page you know a big percentage of people said it was you know this specific feature and and i think you you touched upon it you, you know is it is it on the page a and b is it visible well it was it was on the page but it was behind um you know a tab so it it wasn't visible and then what we did was we we checked through the trackboard the quantitative data how many people click on that tab and it was like you know 10% less than 10% so essentially 90% of people who've said this is the most important information they require could couldn't find it or or it wasn't on the page so you know that that instantly you know it's it, it almost just becomes a just do it you know you just you just you just sort that out you get that that on the page and, and visible and prominent um and then you know you then you know see if that does anything to to conversion or engagement or whatever it is um but but also um with surveys as well just i think uh, another great thing that 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 i think everyone should do as well is um once you have these these surveys that really um get you the the, the really good information um you then run that in 6 months time um you know so you 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 find out those insights you make the changes you run that again i think that's something that a lot of people don't do that you know they move on to the next survey or the next page and that's forgotten about but actually using the trackboards and also redoing those surveys you're going to find out if that's working well i i think uh, that applies to testing as well doesn't it um and optimization a lot of people yes. will either have a winning test or a losing test but that's the end of it Absolutely. If it's a winning test, great, implement it, move on. If it's a losing test, that was a bad idea, forget about it, move on. Um, but both occasions, you know, on the winning test, there's, there could be an opportunity to iterate on it and do even better. And on a losing test, at least you want to analyze why. Yeah. Right. Find out why this didn't work. Um, because if you ran the if you ran the test in the first place, you should have been fairly confident it was going to give you the result you wanted. Um, which in some cases I, I've run tests where I've wanted the negative result because it's proved it's proved the point. Yeah. Um, and it'll be things like 
Well, actually, it didn't prove the point because we got a positive result. Um, <laughs> in this particular example, we removed, uh, we we hid reviews on on the mobile version of a website, um, and it was the reason we did that test was because mobile reviews hadn't been there. So we got the de- developers to implement it, and then we ran a test to hide it to actually say, well, mm-hmm. now that we've got it, this is the the uplift we've had. Um, unfortunately, we saw a, about 10, 11% uplift from not having them there, which is not entirely what I wanted. But the point <laughs> is, um, based on that, I didn't just say, well, cool, so no one wants reviews. Let's let's just remove them. The response was, well, why? Why do we think having reviews there is actually a negative? And I believe, and we're running a test on it now, um, I believe the answer is when you on a lot of websites, when you click those reviews at the top of the page, it will link you to where the reviews are further yeah. down the page. This site wasn't doing that. When you clicked on the reviews, uh, I think what would happen is you know that little drop down appears with how many five stars, how many four mm-hmm. stars, three mm-hmm. stars, two stars, one stars, but nobody cares about that. Um, so I believe what was happening was people were clicking it, but they're not actually getting the information they wanted. And so abandoning or whatever. Um, yeah. So now that we're linking people to where the reviews are, I'm hoping that's going to show um, the positive amount. However, I also know through some user interviews, people aren't fussed about the reviews for these products um, because they're branded products. So they're kind of like, I, I know the brand, um, I don't need to see reviews. I just want to know that it's the right product for me. Um, so it, it is possible that actually reviews for the products aren't helpful and we don't need them but it's reviews for the business we need more. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, reviews is is a funny one. Generally, whenever I've done usability testing, um, I'm, I'm, I'm always quite shocked in terms of how how much people read them. Uh, I, I know that sounds stupid, but you, you kind of think, you know, there's, there's, I don't know, four and a half out of five stars. You think that's it, you know, that you think that's good enough. But... And I'm sure you've seen this as well, and and you know other people might have as well. Where um, they'll look for, and I do this as well. I'll be honest. You know, you look for the one, two stars, and you read why. And sometimes uh, they don't even look at the five stars. So it's, it's interesting. I, I I tend not to look at one star. Um, yeah. Because I I find them equally as useless as five stars. Because a lot of one star reviews tend not to actually be the product. You see, you, you do see this more on Amazon. I'd say I'd, I'd need to to confirm this for myself on on brand websites, but on Amazon the review tends to be, um, uh, oh, just something like oh, it didn't arrive on time or it's not even arrived yet, something like that. Yeah. And you're like, what is the point in even leaving review? Why why have you done this? So I tend to look at the three and four star reviews because those are the ones which yeah. normally say it's a good product, but this is a problem for me. Just this one thing. What's, yeah, what's that yeah. one little thing? And that might be the problem that I am concerned about. Um, but I did, a, I, I was watching a, a user um, user testing session this morning from one of my client's websites. And the person did just that. She, uh, I think she clicked the review tab at the top, which opened out the reviews. And she went, oh, that's really cool. That's really helpful. I can see there's questions and things, blah, blah, blah. And then she went, oh, what I'm going to do is I'll, I'll filter for the four-star reviews because these are the ones who uh, are more reliable yeah. or something, she said. Um, which is a point I've made before as well. Like you you don't want five, you don't want all five-star five reviews. And yeah. uh, and someone else posted on LinkedIn about how he, 
he he noticed that a lot of a lot of companies wouldn't approve negative reviews, and it's not only does that show uh, uh, it's a bit more transparent by actually showing those reviews, but also you get the opportunity to reply. So you've actually got that opportunity to show that even if there is a problem, you're willing to spend time fixing it, mm-hmm. which is another kind of another trust point. Obviously, if you, all your reviews are bad, you're screwed. But <laughs> if you're getting a handful of bad ones and you're replying to them and, and resolving the issue, then uh, then that, that's great. And it, I think that's more positive for you than, uh, than just not having any. I was just about to say that, Will. Um, again, I've noticed that on, on quite a lot where, you know, they'll look at the, the lower reviews, but as long as, you know, they've been replied to, that, you know, it kind of swings back. It's, okay, you know, they, they start to kind of reason, you know, oh, okay, well, they didn't like this product because, well, that's a stupid reason, and they've replied. You know, it, it almost goes from, you know, being really negative to kind of back up because because they've got a response um, and they can see that you know the company care and you know obviously there's there's quite a big time sink in that but um it, it really does make a difference and as you say if you've got a lot of negative reviews then you know you, ha- you have to be doing that to kind of you know rebalance that trust what i'd be interested in is um the stats for the actual trust pilot websites uh, web pages so um mm-hmm. if you go to a page let me look up my client quickly. Uh, and then just, actually, no, I won't look up the client. Let's look up a, uh, a similar, oh no, let's look up B&Q just because that's completely unrelated. Uh, God, this is taking way too long. There we go. So it's DIY because uh, it's DIY.com, isn't it? So yes. they're rated poor, 1.9. Um, which isn't great. Okay, this isn't a great example then because it says hasn't hasn't replied to negative reviews for the past twelve months, um, but they claimed their profile and they've got verified additional details. Seventy seven percent of their reviews are one star. Wow, uh, which is really really horrendous. And I, I kind of wish I hadn't looked at this now. Uh, but, um, <laughs> but what I wanted, what I'd like to know is how many people view that piece of information which says. Mm-hmm. Uh, this company responds to, or ha- I think it's has responded to, twenty three percent of negative reviews, and then also it's uh, takes. I think it, they have a stat which says this company takes, on average, two weeks to respond to a negative review, yes. something like that. Yeah. It'd be interesting to know how interaction with that page and seeing that mm-hmm. data then impact impacts that returning user, um, and, and their purchase experience. But yeah, you can't really link that up i don't think absolutely and you know going back to user, you know getting away from getting away from reviews you know going yeah. back to usability Sorry. testing no no um you know use, going back to usability testing i think you know it, it, it's just it's just the best in terms of of getting that insight because how else would you have known you know if you're watching a session recording how would you know what they're thinking? You know, when they're they're looking at reviews, you just think, oh, they're just looking at some reviews. If you can't ask that question and hear the yeah, uh, exactly, it's still a bit of a, it's still the where and when, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, but not the not the why. The the why comes from e- either the the kind of one on one usability where you're just listening in on them and you can ask them questions, or the recorded ones where they are encouraged to talk through. 
um, their experience and what they're thinking. Um, I, I, I did a, I did a few guided ones. Look, I, I call them guided. It's probably not guided. That's the wrong term because defeat the purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what I mean. Like the the actual the ones where I'm on on video with someone, and it's just interesting to to kind of stop them, just randomly go, oh, why did you do that? Because it'll be something that they don't, they might not explain, they might not really talk through because they don't even think about it. But suddenly you're like, oh, and why did you do that? Because I can see what you're trying to do, but you've done something that I wasn't expecting. Absolutely. And then that's that little bit of insight. Yeah, I mean, you know, surveys, usability testing, we've obviously touched upon, you know, um, and, you know, doing it moderated, which is, I think, what you were saying there, um, you know. Moderated, that's the one. You know, one on one, it's essentially, you know, it's essentially an interview, isn't it? Now, uh, and again, I've, I think I've posted this on LinkedIn. I, I just, you know, I, I don't think you get the same level of um, insight from remote usability testing. I think there is a place for it. Um, but since I've been, at, you know, evolved, um, I've only done moderated. Um, and that's because. I just feel you get so much more. You get, you get, you obviously get more time, um, you know, with the person. And and as you were just saying there, well, you know, you can literally just stop them and go, could I just, you know, ask why you did that? Um, and you know, that, that could be an absolute, you know, diamond piece of, um, insight. And if you get that, you know, two or three times out of the, the, you know, the five sessions that you do, um, or what have you, you know, that's, once you extrapolate that, that's going to be a lot of people to, who are who are thinking the same. Um, and interestingly, I think um, uh, one of our clients um, is a mattress retailer, and um, did some. We've done some usability um, testing on on their site, and you might have had similar on this. But there's a lot of kind of um, you know feature names which you know, orthopedic and, and then you've got, you know, these mattresses that have these crazy names, Octa Spring, and you know, they've got yeah. 50 million springs or, you know, whatever. People haven't got a Scooby Doo what what they mean. Like so, you know, that they're, they're basically just, you know, once they see you know, basically you just you're putting a fill, you know, you're putting some options there in a filter that that are completely pointless because unless they're gonna actively do some research and copy and paste that and, and put it into Google, which, you know, they're probably not. Um, so I think there's, there's, there's something there as well, which if you hadn't done that usability test, you would never have known that, you know, okay, in the quanti- quantitative data, they're not really getting clicked. Okay, well, nobody really wants them. In session recording, okay, someone scrolled past it. You know, it has to be that usability testing and you have to ask those questions um, and, and listen to those people. You know, I feel like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting, you know, angry with people who, who don't do usability testing, but it, it's not that. It's just, it's such a, a, an incredibly good um, place to get that insight. Um, and, and, you know, five sessions, you know, five sessions is, is, is really all you need to, to get an insane amount of stuff. Yeah, I, I was going to say like it doesn't really take that long, does it? Five sessions can be you know, half an hour each. That's it. Maybe less, fifteen twenty minutes. Depends how complex your website is, what tasks you set. But if you think maybe thirty minutes, 40, 
even 45 minutes per session to do the session and then kind of just do your own little review of it afterwards. It's really not that much time. You know, I know a lot of people can't dedicate a day to do something, but, you know, you're talking about a day's work, not even a day's work, really. Um, you could spread that for a week. You could do one call a day, get just get it done, um, and then you'll have incredible insights. Go away and just start testing on and, and investigating. That's it. Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've written some notes and I've got even one or two sessions per month. You know, so yeah, you know, even if you could do that, you know, one a week. That, that's that's four in the month. Um, you know, that that's nearly at that that five. And as you say, um, I, I, again, I don't think you know. There's there's some really expensive tools out there. Um, whereas what I tend to do is, you know, get a, a recruitment survey on the site through something like Hotjar. Um, you know, in theory, if you're on the free account, that, that doesn't cost anything or for business users, it's, it's, it's minimal. Um, put that on somewhere on the site that gets the most new users. So they're, they're going to be um, new users who potentially aren't as, as used to your brand, um, which is good. Uh, and they're also going to be people who um, are actively looking for your product. You know, how good, how good is that? So... Um, now, you know, obviously managing that and getting those people, um, you know, face to face is 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 another challenge, um, and and that does take time. But as I say, that's where that just goes back to, you know, don't put too much pressure on yourself. Just just do one, a, you know, one a week, yeah. um, and you know, very cost effective as well. I'm amazed that there are some businesses out there that will try and do this for you, charge a lot of money, but they the recruitment pool is your own customers anyway. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I remember being on this demo and just thinking to myself, you're going to charge me like 30 euros per person, uh, per person who signs up for this, when I, c- I could capture this through Hotjar. And I, c- and I know I can put a link in Hotjar. So on that final page, I can say, well, here's here's the Calendly link, book, book in your, your call. Um. So yeah, I was just amazed that this business tried to do this. Really, I, I get it if they've got their own pool of people who are who have signed up to to do this like for a fee, obviously. Yeah. Um, but to try and charge someone to to sign up their own customers to do it, it just seemed really really strange. I didn't get that. That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. But you know, again, I'm just trying to get across that you know usability testing is is the best. Um, yeah. you know, do it moder- do it moderated if you can, one a week, happy days, and you know, quite cost effective as well. Um, you know, you might offer them a, a little discount or, or a fifteen pound Amazon voucher or something as a as a thanks. Yeah, uh, and you know what you then do is, um, you know, they'll probably you know come back in six months because you know they quite enjoyed it, you know, um, and they got you know something out of it, and you know you can get them back in six months. You've, you've kind of got their name and the email address. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, just, just I was just going to say, well, just just one more thing on on the kind of the the qualitative side of things is um, is is talking to the sales team. Um, again, this is one that you know I wasn't um, I didn't do a lot of um, you know in my previous role, but I've, I've kind of just ran with this. And again, it's it's an incredible place to get insight. And you know, when you think about it, you're speaking to the people who are you know, who are, who are talking to the customers every day. 
Um, you know, they're the people who are answering the questions. They've got the the, the counter objections to the objections that they're, they're getting the themes that are running through it. You know, if you if you start to think of like, you know, the themes of a usability um, project, testing project, you know, those are the people who uh, are, are getting that insight. So if you again, you know, we're not saying you know you have to speak to them every day, but if you can speak to those guys once a month, you know, what, what's the theme? What, what came out of it? Is it, you know, the, the costs are too high? Is it they're worried about, um, you know, all, you know, there not being any, you know, kids' toys for Christmas? You know, is that, the, um, is that what they're worried about? So you can then start to, you know, feed that into your big, you know, list of insight, you know. Um, and really from those three, sky's the limit in terms of um, how much you can get there from you know a survey on hotjar which is very cost effective easy to run um usability testing which we've kind of just been through that's relatively cost effective and then the sales team who are just internal you know they're they're just there yeah sales or customer service um yeah depending on the business or or both sorry if if you've got both but um yeah definitely the people who are on that front line and are are dealing with those questions because really uh, maybe it's not all about this but a lot of it is, a lot of CRO is just answering people's questions right if you answer their questions on the page then they should convert because you've you've convinced them that that product is the right one for them it's the, it's the one they're looking for so if those questions are being asked in customer service instead how do you how do you take those that that information and get it on the product page or on the the lead form or, or whatever how do, how do you make sure that you know this person doesn't have to contact you know, so if you're getting loads of questions about what's your returns policy, then you know it's obvious. It's it's one of those things, right? You you'll look back at your page and go, but it's there. It says free free returns on all orders, and then you you'll you'll look at heat maps and things and realize that actually no one's seeing that because yeah. you know it's there because you put it there and because you've gone through a checklist and gone, yeah, okay, we we have actually mentioned it's on the page because you've gone left right all the way down the page to go, oh yeah, it is there. We've got it on the page. It's mentioned, um, but actually, the customer's not seeing it. Yeah, I think again, you know, with returns as a theme, I think that is quite a sensitive one. I think you know, really, you don't want them to return it. You know, if, if we're being honest, you know, yeah. it's a bit of a kind of you know, um, no, you, you don't want them to. But it's the people want to know that they can if they need to. Yeah, right. Really, your product should your product should be good enough so that they don't have to. Yeah. Um, it, it should it should work. You should do what you've sold them on, so they don't have to return it. But the customer's always going to be thinking, well, what what if it's rubbish? Like, what if I'm being lied to again? You know, ev- everyone's bought something from a company that's just massively oversold it, and they're thinking, right, this can't happen to me again. I want to know that if I have a problem, I can return it. Yeah, exactly. But uh, and that's what I was going to say. You know, it's it's so important for me. You know to have that information there because, you know, again, you'll get that out of usability testing. I've, I've, I've heard that so many times. There's, you know, they get to the basket page, well, why is the drop-off so high? You know, run a survey on that page. Generally, you'll start to get, well, you know, you'll get the usual things, you know, delivery costs that are too high or where are the delivery costs? Yeah. Or, you know, I don't know what the, what, what are your returns? We had, uh, um, in one, what was it? Um, where was this bit of feedback? Um... Hotjar or something. Oh, where did I see it? Yeah, I think it was Hotjar. And it was something like, um, 
Amazon offers free free delivery. Why don't you? And it's like, well, you're talking about what the second biggest company in the world versus uh, like a two year old startup. Yeah, like you know, we, we can afford it if you spend the threshold. I think fifty quid or something, which is not that high. Um, we can't can't just offer free shipping on everything. It's not. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. And I, th- I think as well, you know, y- you start to then think about. Um, you know, with, with usability testing, you're kind of listening to all these questions. Whereas when you're not usability testing and people are just on your site, just they're going to be asking these questions. Yeah. You know, where's the returns? Why is delivery so high? You know, why is that add-on so high? Why are they trying to tell yeah. me this? You know, there's just so many constantly going on. I, I imagine there's a stat, there must be a stat out there somewhere um, so you know, there's well, the, the similar stat is for every unhappy customer who contacts you, I think 23 others uh, will just will just disappear. So there must be some similar stat on uh, for every customer who actually contacts you to ask a question. There's probably 10, 15, 20. It might even be more. It might be like 50 who just yeah, disappear. Exactly. You, you've not answered the question, which means the answer is is effectively no. We we don't do this thing that you're looking for, um, but so it. they just go. Yeah, yeah. Not not answer the question. You know, not made it easy for them. Uh, clear enough. You know, there's all these things um, that once they stack up, you know, you can imagine someone coming on a site and they have a you know a thousand thoughts about why they shouldn't buy this product. And I know you know you've discussed this before. That they're, they're probably thinking, why is that there? What's this? What's that image? That's horrible. You know, the price is too high. What's my delivery? You know, all these things. Yeah. And, you know, we're not going to answer, you know, let's be honest, we're probably not going to be able to answer them all, but you have to have um, the ones that become those big themes throughout all of your qualitative research backed up by your quant. I think also I'm, I'm aware we're, we're very short on time now, so I don't want to go into this too much. But um, the other thing is supplying too much information and making and making people ask questions. So supplying certain imagery, uh, putting certain phrases or, or kind of benefits on your on your product, which might actually then raise another question that you're not answering. Um, we might have to leave that for another time. Absolutely. Um, so very quickly before we end, uh, is there anyone in the D2C world who you'd want to go for lunch with? There are so many. Um, you know, obviously Pep from CXL, you know, I think he's, yep. uh, he's the main man, isn't he? Um, or, um, you know, my, my second is, uh, Eden Badani as well. Um, oh, yeah. I just absolutely love her, um, tips on, uh, LinkedIn and you should definitely follow her, um, from uh, green light copy. Yeah. So yeah, probably those two, you know, one at yeah. a time or both. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and finally, uh, have you got a couple of marketing tools that you, you use, uh, frequently or every day? Um, ones that you love jars up there isn't it um you know we'll see what happens with um with what content square have haven't planned for them you know hopefully they keep that yeah that freemium version um oh, yeah yeah uh speed curve again you know to, to kind of flip it onto site speed and, and, and website performance um that's just one that i've used before had access to i love it and it goes back to that that automation and continuous monitoring is, is, is something that I love just being able to dip in you know have a look at this this time period or this time period you know what happened there um, yeah you know those are the kind of things that I really like 
Um, and, you know, again, that's another tip, just, just try and automate everything that you can. Um, and, and one that I'm, I'm looking to use, uh, and I think I heard uh, Eden mention this one, is a, a tool called Attention Insight, which is like a, an AI-powered pre-launch analysis tool, which kind of, it's, it's almost like, you know, eye tracking, um, but with, okay. with AI. And I think that'll be really powerful for A-B test designs, prototypes. And then I'm thinking as well for, you know, kind of PPC ads, uh, display banners, things yeah. like that, just to to give it that quick once over before it, it actually goes out. Um, you know, it's, it's just another tool that we have to kind of make what we're doing on our websites and our PPC ads, you know, the best that can be and, 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 and as safe and efficient as they can be as well. So yeah, I want to t- 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 definitely have a look at that. Cool. Okay. Um, and if anyone wants to have a chat and, and find out more, what's the best way of contacting you? Um, probably LinkedIn. Um, to be honest, um, I don't even know my, uh, but if you search for Simon Clark, um, at Evolved Search, um, in the UK, you'll be able to find me there, but yeah, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a LinkedIn, um, hound. Yeah. Um, so yeah, de- definitely, you know, that's the best place unless you're trying to sell me something. Um, none of those. Cool. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Sam. Excellent. All right. Cheers. So if you weren't already convinced and have this as part of your monthly routine already, I'd 100% recommend getting some of these custom feedback and and research methods in place. Even if you just read a few reviews every morning, jump on customer services for an hour a week, or book in an afternoon of customer interviews here and there, just doing something is going to give you a huge amount of actionable insight compared to just making your own assumptions. The job of your website and your product pages is to answer the customer's questions and convince them that your product is right for them and that your business is the right one to buy it from. You get so much further with this and so much better at it by speaking to your customers about it. If you'd like to have a chat with Simon, pick his brains, please do reach out to me on LinkedIn. Any other podcast questions, feedback, guest requests, please send them over to will at customerswhoclick.com. And finally, I'm opening up my calendar to podcast listeners. So if you want to have a chat about anything marketing, just drop me a message on LinkedIn and we'll jump on a call. Next up on the podcast, I've got Brett Lane joining me. We're going to be talking about SEO, how to get started with it to build a diversified source of traffic, and some of the big changes we've seen in the algorithm these last few years. But until then, keep those customers clicking.